What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the, the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to leave those reviews. Cannot stress 
the importance of those enough. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. The podcast is available on Spotify now. I've also been dropping some monthly playlists every first of the month on Spotify, keeping it pretty spread out genre-wise there, and I will put all the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with those playlists, and I will also put the links for the Dan Cable Presents mugs and t-shirts. Stoked to dive into episode 267, Mira McLaughlin, Executive Director of Music Portland, is on the podcast. Excited to share this chat that I had with Mira. Music Portland is a grassroots trade association and advocacy group for musicians here in Portland, Oregon, and we uh, chatted it up about some of the initiatives that the group is trying to tackle right now and it was cool to hear and get some insight about their future plans and and all the stuff that they're trying to do to make Portland a better city for the musicians that live here and help them create more sustainability in what they are trying to achieve. I've been up in Portland for eight years or so now and got heavily involved in the music community maybe six years ago and I just think it's great that there are so many people that are willing to take the time to share their knowledge. There used to be these panels all the time put on by JFL Presents and Vortex Music Magazine that were free, which was just sharing music knowledge and you got things like Music Portland where they're really trying to... uh, create infrastructure for the musicians and artists here but just very willing to to help people along their individual paths which I think is super key and important to have a community of people around you that are trying to lift you up and and help you along because there's no real blueprint when you are trying to turn your art into your career and create longevity in it so super rad to chat with Mira we will dive into that momentarily Music Portland has a monthly meetup it's first Mondays and the next one is going to be at Produce Row September 6th Labor Day great opportunity to link up and network with some local like-minded folks And all you have to do is register on the Music Portland website to be able to go to those. It's free to do it. So uh, I will put all the links in the episode notes for Music Portland and all the things that Mira and I discuss in this episode. Speaking of Produce Row, every Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m. and every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. There is free music going on over there. This Sunday, we got a couple killer singer-songwriters. August 15th, Tyler Robeson and Karen Ann will be down there. And August 18th, we got Mike Moe doing a DJ set, former guest of the podcast. August 22nd, New Victorian and Wronghouse will be there. And like I said, every Wednesday And every Sunday, free music at Produce Row. The website and the Instagram link will be in the episode notes as well. So you can keep up 
with those. I am the booker over there. If you're a local Portland musician looking for spots to play, hit me up. You can send me an email, dancablepresents at gmail.com. You can also just send in an email if you want to uh, hit me with your your comments, concerns about the show. If you need some advice that I don't have any business giving, happy to do that. Also would love to hear your recommendations for things that should be going on that monthly playlist. It'd be rad to have some of that interaction going on as well. But we're going to get into episode 267 with Mira McLaughlin. Can't thank her enough for giving me some of her time and chatting with me about music Portland. Want to give a big shout out to Chris Young. Um, who founded Vortex Magazine and is mentioned in this conversation as one of the early supporters and board members of Music Portland. Chris has been super supportive of this podcast when I started it a little over five years ago, and I don't think I would have been able to insert myself or find my place in the Portland music community without... Chris's support and him constantly sharing what I was doing or throwing opportunities my way and uh, I think about that dude a lot and just how he definitely propelled what I was doing from the from the start and how huge that was I know he's been volunteering as a firefighter out here in Oregon so I hope he's staying safe out there and uh, yeah just appreciate the hell out of that dude Anyway, that's enough ramblings up top. We are going to get in to episode 267 with Mira McLaughlin. This conversation kind of just jumps in right as Mira and I were catching up on the mics before we start talking music Portland. And we are going to kick the episode off with a track by a local Portland group called greater kind and this is a track that is on my august playlist this one is called humphrey let's do the damn thing beating a log with a stick you know right. it's like something so so foundational about it and and that the hearing of it too is the same thing i don't know maybe in these times of just what the, 
what the fuckedness. Um, <laughs> it's like it. It's one of the reasons why I'm really glad to do what I do, just to, you know, be supporting a thing that is so close to our own humanity. You know, it's what connects us. It's what makes us human. It the hearing of it makes us human. The loving of it. I don't know. It feels. It feels like. If I had to be doing something, I'm glad I'm doing this because these times seem so to challenge. If I was still working in corporate technology like I did for 30 years, I think these times would be harder. Yeah. Because I'd be like, okay, so the path is running out and the footprints I'm leaving, you know, aren't great, you know? So, for sure. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just uh, also nice – I, I've, it forces me to have a lot of conversations with strangers. Are a, you an intro, are you an introvert by uh, nature? Not necessarily, but I think that uh, I've gotten to talk to so many different people, and yeah, you know, to can never have too much perspective. It seems so. Yeah, it's true. I swear, everybody you meet is something. My kids laugh at me because I always talk to people in elevators. Like I talk to people wherever I go, but my, my sons who are not necessarily introverts, but they will just be like, you, we were, we, we rode four floors and you have a relationship with that human being. I was like, I know because I like humans, <laughs> you know, why would you squander a chance like that to know a human? Like, why would you stand in silence and stare at the numbers over your head? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, and I, I think the maybe that's what I like about music a little bit is that, you know, whether you're listening to it and really connecting to it or writing it, it's about connecting to another human, you know? Absolutely. It's not, for, not for dolphins. It's definitely, you know, it's this thing, this way of communicating at a different frequency with other humans and saying the things you want to have said out loud to people you don't know, you know, maybe that's what, I don't know. I just read this, this Amazon story that just really rattled me. So I'm feeling very sort of philosophical, but um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about what we do? That's sort of prosaic and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to talk music Portland with you, sure. which is huge community work here. And um but before we dive into that, I would just love to kind of set up the scene for kind of your background and, and how you develop this this desire to be one of the people spearheading this this community movement. Well, I after college, I um, worked. I don't know. I worked in clubs and things in Boston and I booked bands and I managed my my brother's band and um just always kind of loved it saw tons of music um continued to see tons of music and then ultimately got married moved out here um we had little kids when we got here but we'd see as much music as we could and um every time i'd start having a couple of drinks i'd start bitching that we were watching the dilution of this amazing portland music scene and um 
my family got really tired of me getting drunk and bitching. So <laughs> in the in the intervening time, my husband had quit his really great soul sucking engineering job. And um, just as our sons were going into college and started making microphones in the basement and created Ear Trumpet Labs. And as Ear Trumpet Labs picked up and was able to sustain us, he's, you know, he and my daughter Malachi said, just be done, stop bitching, do something. And so, yeah, so Chris, I was lucky enough to connect with um, Chris Young of Vortex Magazine and Dominic Schmidt of Rolla Music. And we just had a conversation where the three of us said, yeah, it sucks. It's falling apart. The city doesn't care about music. We're losing it all. Everybody's moving to Boise. And we got to the moment where we said, but what can we do? You know, and there's that tipping point when you go from crying in your whiskey to tipping over to what do we do? And the three of us really started to frame out an idea. And um, and then we started, I started hosting roundtables with all different kinds of people. I was still working my corporate job, but I'd have all these roundtables and just be gathering ideas and let people bitch. And then there'd be the tipping point and people would start bringing ideas. And then we did a census and got about 600 people. It was just a qualitative questionnaire, but people going, why is Portland great? And why, what's wrong with it right now? And how come, you know, what are your ideas? And just the outpouring of care that came, the, the voices that came in through that definitely said, we got to do this. So I quit my corporate job and the income. Um, and, uh, started working closely with Chris and really building out the whole story. Um, and that's, that's how we started. It was about, it was all about whiskey. It was, just, <laughs> it, was a, it all started with a drinking problem. There it is. No, I, don't have a drink. I don't have a drinking problem, but, um, yeah, it, uh, you know, it's about, it's about identifying a need. And I think all good things come from somebody seeing a problem. And I think a number of us saw a problem and then we, you know, gathered a board together and they saw the problem and then also tipping and imagining something better. Yeah. I would imagine that's also, uh, your concerns are a little more validated when there's that many people that are willing to get in a room and, and talk about these things and try to toss out ideas for solutions and improving. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I play really, I play the instruments nobody likes or people don't admit that they like. I play banjo, accordion, tuba, and toxic fiddle. I'm actually credited on an album as playing drunken tuba. I'm very proud of that. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, I, I'm not a performer myself, but, um, you know, I think that also helped because I'm like, I care deeply about it, but I don't do it. So I have people that, um, the people I'm protecting, I bring something different to. I bring, frankly, kind of a business approach to the support of music, which is different than bringing nonprofit, you know, sort of traditional nonprofit support to an artistic form. I'm like, no, this is a commercial venture. These are careers. This is, it is cultural, but it is also commercial. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
And it's been excluded for being that from all the other opportunities that other traditional arts or what I've heard called legitimate arts, um, what they get, it's been excluded from that because it's this thing. So let's lean into this thing. We were being excluded from arts grants because we were commercial, but then we were also being excluded from business grants because we were artistic. <laughs> so the, the goal was to say, nope, we don't want to cannibalize arts funding, but we want to be acknowledged as professionals. We want to be acknowledged for the value we bring. We want to be acknowledged for the economic impact we have. And we deserve funding. And we also deserve funding as a cultural asset. But it's kind of, you know, working two different channels. But um, that approach has been pretty successful in bringing in new funding and really raising the kind of respect level that happens in Portland. We just had a meeting with city council where, I mean, every one of them was like, no, we, this is important. And that's never happened. You know, they've given money to our popular music culture. Um, that's never happened in Portland. So all of us standing together is doing something really remarkable and that's incredibly needed. Yeah, I was at that uh, that initial kickoff party at Holocene some years back now, I guess. Yeah. And I just remember you speaking about how, you know, there's this huge draw for people to move to this city. And a big part of that is is the music scene that has developed over the years. And yeah, yeah if that's the case, then got to figure out how to make those things sustainable for the artists. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's a classic sort of um, creative conundrum that, you know, if artists move into an area that nobody else would touch and they make it cool and then the condos follow, right. it's the same thing at, at a city level, you know, that, um, a huge part and we the 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 great thing for us was when we got things like greater portland inc and um the portland business alliance which are like the super straight edge business interests in the city and when we got both of them to acknowledge that mu our popular music scene as a lifestyle asset is key to businesses being successful here because it's it's how they get you know, young, highly employable folks to want to live here. And, but that they never paid for it. So now we're devising ways to get influx of money. So we're not cannibalizing arts funding, getting a whole new stream of money in from people that are doing it for a good reason, but then it also serves them, you know, for a corporation to become a patron of this incredible lifestyle asset that they acknowledge is key to their success. That's that's where corporate sponsorship comes from. I always, you know, I always taught my children that PR is kind of doing the right thing for not necessarily the right reason, but mm. that's okay. It's still the right thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we're really we're, one of the big things that we're that we're doing. Um, we've had a group um, organizing and sort of putting this together and creating a whole different idea that acknowledges this corporate kind of role in this ecology um, with a number of the people that created the first music fest Northwest. We are creating Portland music month name, name pending 
but um, it is already endorsed and proclaimed as Portland Music Month by City Hall with this just effusive support of music as a whole in this event. In the dark days of January, we are going to activate the city. It's largely a promotional campaign um, because we didn't want to get in the way of the venues doing their booking because that's already a mess as they try to figure out touring and are we open and right. not open. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to get money from the corporate sector and invest just enormously in creating a vibe and an activation, including work with Travel Portland, to bring people into Portland, to bring people out of their houses, to bring them into venues, to celebrate live music, and really kind of anchor what it is that is valuable and have something to point at. It's also a fundraiser because um, venues can opt to, it's not required. Everybody will get an uplift. Every guitar player in a coffee shop will get an uplift. Every, you know, hotel performance will get an uplift. But marquee venues are ones that have agreed to participate as basically fundraiser, fundraisers for Music Portland. Um, they're going to add a $1 upcharge with the artist permission to um, refill and replenish the musician fund that gives grants to local musicians. Um, and already we've got, you know, the Crystal, the White Eagle, the Mission, Dante's, Star, Jack London, Wonder, 722. I mean, there's a whole list of them that are already already signed up. Um, so it's, you know, we think it's going to be a great way to support the venues, support the artists, because more locals are, are booked in January than touring artists because they're just not out on the road. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and so it feels like a really good holistic way to engage the corporations, to support all those different parties, and to bring people out and just celebrate in the damp month. Yeah, do you think it's important that we have some sort of something like that, similar maybe to a tree fort festival that Boise has developed over the years just to attract new people to the, the scene and some tourism to the the music community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this year, you know, it's, it is, there isn't like a single banded bracelet like they do at tree fort, but um, you know, but the idea is to maybe evolve towards some of that. And um, right now it, you know, we already, we already have everybody knew that portland had this great music scene like people would go oh yeah portland music is great but politicians couldn't support it because there was it was like jello you couldn't hold on to what is portland music it's this dispersed you know bunch of individuals doing cool things which is what its glory is um without an organization in the center through things that things could channel through it couldn't get any of the support it deserved um and the same way with this with this celebration is how do you how do you kind of lift up Portland music as an experience, as a as a culture, as a thing without making it a thing that then you can promote and say, come to come to Portland in January or get off your couch. You've been there for a year and a half, you know. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like, how do we build these kind of built-in audiences at venues here like they have in other 
cities like where are where are all the people that come to see the the big headliners at crystal ballroom like how do we get those people out to the exactly. the local shows because there's so much amazing music happening mm-hmm. here every night there's usually uh-huh. at least two or three shows that i'm kind of being pulled into different yep. directions yep. and yep. got to make some tough decisions sometimes yep. but yep. it also seems like a lot of the people that show up to those local shows are the local musicians yeah yeah well, it's interesting the you know, all these, all these companies that, that, you know, acknowledge, because they ask their people, like, you know, what were the things that tr- attracted you to come here? They're like, oh, well, definitely the music scene. But then you talk to them and they've never actually gotten out to see live music, or maybe they go to the Moda Center, you know, right, right. that's the goal. That's what the messaging is really going to be focusing on is to say, you know, it's not scary. We've got a, um, we'll have a venue directory that's, we already have an industry directory. We're doing different sectors that we keep growing. It's at musicportland.org forward slash directory. Um, so if you need instrument or gear or um, there's a, a label directory and we'll be doing a venue directory. So one thing is I've never been to that venue. Maybe, maybe it's sketchy. Okay. We're going to make a, we're going to make a, you know, a venue directory that shows you videos that shows you photographs that takes you through it shows you what kind of people play there cool so that that helps to get around that thing the other thing is that when you have three pages of listings of music shows and it's you know bob's bad time and stinky puppy and you know there are all these names if you don't know anything about them you can't, nobody's going to go and say, okay, now I'm going to go and research the 20 bands that are playing at the two venues I like in the next three days, you know, just not going to happen. But we are actually, I'm working with, um, with an app developer to create a discovery tool to get around that. So we're very mm-hmm. excited about that. And that'll be some, a part of the, the Portland music month. So anyway, yeah, the, the idea is to make it a celebration and a discovery exercise so that people start to realize, oh, my God, I've always gone to like the crystal, but Al's Den is the coolest place in the world, mm. you know, or, um, you know, I've always loved, um, you know, I go to the Moda, but I just saw the coolest band ever at the Ranger Station. Right. You know, it's like, how do you how do you get them out into the into the satellites? Because that's how we're branded. You know, that was a big thing about Music Portland was saying we're not just trying to become a music city, you know, with finger quotes. We, there's not a model. There is not there's not a template that Austin or Seattle or Nashville or New Orleans or any of the other great music cities. We're not following them. We are trying to cultivate what is us and what is us is distinct. And it's about emerging talent. It's about the next big thing. It isn't about following on, oh my gosh, they sound just like so-and-so. And that's why they're getting to be successful. It's about people experimenting and innovating and finding new stuff and looping back to my previous. It's like, and it's about kind of delving the human, you know, with with the sounds that they make and the risks that they take. Absolutely. Tapping in and creating relationships with Portland City Council seems to be a cornerstone of of the work y'all are doing. Can you stress the importance of uh, the people like creating relationships with the people in power that are there to create policy within the music community? 
Yeah, it's absolutely key. Um, and we've been lucky enough to have um, an incredible music policy council um, that includes just incredible minds that, you know, some really go deep into. Evan Hoffer is a master at going deep into the most arcane, like, code documents you can imagine. It's like hearing sounds dogs can hear. It's incredible. Um, and then we've got, you know, Jamie Dunphy, who comes from a, a government background and has a great, great government mind. We've got the Musicians Union um, in the Policy Council that are just, everybody is looking at it and trying to kind of pick apart the spaghetti that is how music is impacted by city code. You know, because it was never considered. It was never was never a thing that that the city thought about or thought it had to protect. And so all of these things sort of evolved and they're duplicating and they're contradicting. And in many cases they are, you know, they, they embed systemic racism um, either by omitting to make something clear or in some cases by making things clear. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily intentional but it had the effect has been devastating, particularly on the black community. Um, it just there are so many layers of impediment to black music success as venue owners. I mean, there's a reason that venue black owned venues don't last for more than about 18 months and haven't ever. Um, you know, that's kind of built into the system. And so we're doing a lot of stuff around that. And that's, that is not, I'll talk about city council, but that's not just city council. That's, you know, that's the departments. It's getting into the weeds of city government where the stuff happens and working, you know, you know, we've been working with the police with the leadership of DJOG one, who's the head of our leadership equity project um, and really getting in there and saying, we've got to change the relationship. Music is not a crime but it's being treated like one if it's, you know, if it's happening with the black community. Right. Um, city council has been great. We've been working through from all of the newly seated commissioners. We started having multiple campaign events. So we started having face the music campaign events early on in the campaign so that we started talking to them and asking them hard questions. So by the time they got into office, they were already educated about music, about what it needed, what its challenges were. And then the mayor and Hardesty, we'd been talking to before that and had been part of the vote to make sure that we saved our venues with uh, the first and at that point largest allocation by any city in the country to support music venues. And that was something that we worked, you know, Music Portland was right in the middle of um, as the IVC was pushing to get the largest state allocation for venues. So it was a great validation of political leadership turning its sights and going, oh, yeah, music is important and we're going to make it a priority. And that's just accelerating. That's really been exciting. What are some things that the artists in the city can be doing to uh, if they want to invest their time and their energy into helping create some of this sustainability what what is their kind of responsibility in that or what can they do to to help music portland um advance on their initiatives um if you are kind of a wonky soul you know you make beautiful music but 
you love the details, there are roles for you. Musicportland.org forward slash volunteer is a great way to get in there and talk about kind of what your skill sets are. And, you know, you can work on policy. You could work on Portland Music Month. We're doing an economic impact study that Music Portland is spearheading that is the first in the nation. It's a regional study. We're working with Alaska, BC, Washington, Idaho, and Oregon to do a, a common economic impact study of our music ecosystems so that we're going to have a complete comparable database so that if you are an instrument or gear maker and you want to look and see what is the total market in the Pacific Northwest of in, for instrument and gear and how does your market share connect? And then you have politicians being able to go, we had no idea it was a $4 billion industry. Mm. You know, so we're doing that. We'd love to have people help. We've got some non-technical jobs that actually we need some bodies for coming up soon. So go to forward slash volunteer on our site. Um, there are first Mondays. The, the basic thing artists need to do is to register with Music Portland. That gets them in the mix. We got $100,000 from city council that we'll be receiving in a month or so. Um, and about half of it is going to just build capacity, maybe compensate some of the people doing this work. Because um, we've been largely volunteer up until now. Um, a lot of people dedicating a lot to um, what needs to happen. But the other half, we're trying to keep as much as uh, as we can of the other half and have that go directly to artist grants. If you're not registered with Music Portland, you're not eligible for a grant. If you're not registered with Music Portland, you can't come to First Mondays, which are the largest music industry gatherings. I mean, I don't know if you've been to one of those since the launch. They are just jaw-droppingly awesome. We just had our first in-person since COVID began. Um, at Ron Tom's this Monday. Nice. And it just, it, it like, it feeds the soul because this is an event where there isn't loud music playing. It is just about music professionals talking to music professionals. And you find collaborators and we have a Balkan band that hooked up with a metal band and we've got opera singers that find their people that they didn't know. And we've got, you know, people finding producers and just connecting with the people that make us. Um, so all of those things, we've got a job board on Music Portland. Um, so, and there are three jobs up right now I that was, are really, yeah. really good paying jobs. I mean, I let's was just get looking at that. That's, a, that's such a great resource for, you know, it's to, for people to find jobs within that industry. Yeah. Well, and the weird thing is, you know, right now, all the businesses are talking about the fact that they can't get workers. Right. Um, and I understand, you know, the drive through at Burgerville, you know, maybe, you know, you've been on off and you reexamined your life and you thought, you know, I can, I don't want to do that. Um, but with music, I think people do want to do that. So I strongly, you know, if there's any music businesses, which are many musicians are also also have music businesses. If you're looking for any employees, even temporary employees, post them on the job board. We're not even charging anybody to post on there. Um, we just want to make sure that music people are aware of music opportunities. And again, being registered puts you in the mix for that. Yeah. Uh, we have the industry directory, which is about, find, you know, we keep on growing that. We would actually could use some volunteer help 
on that, which is about outreach to businesses. We've just started a brand new thing called Music Portland Connects, which is a music brokerage for non-venue music paying music opportunities. Everybody, you know, is fighting hard to get booked in the venue to get paid. But there are hundreds of events that happen across the city that everything from street fairs to business districts, celebrations to nonprofit events to cause-based events, and they all have some budget for, for music. The problem is they are not music people necessarily. So you start seeing the same people over and over and over again at these things, or you see God help us, the dad band, you know? Um, so what we're trying to do is to make sure that you never hear a dad band at a public event in Portland because we are better than that. We are more abundant than that. We have more incredible talent than that. So our Connects program allows events to go and log an event. And then we have brokers that use the data that's acquired in the registration profile to look at artists that they, as soon as they get a registration, they review the artist, they listen to the sound files, they sort of do some work to kind of categorize it. And when an event comes in, they send the event organizer five or six different options at or above the price they are willing to spend because the brokers are also working to advocate for more, that music has more value than people necessarily assume. We also won't work with anybody that is below a certain absolute minimum threshold and if all they can pay is the minimum there are early stage artists that would love to get a job for 75 dollars a set absolutely per, per, per person yeah. that's the minimum that we charge but it's not that we're saying we're going to sell you that wants 300 for 75 no it is about advocating for the value of music in our society and making sure that in portland you never go to anything and don't go damn this music is good that's the goal yeah. So the next is a new thing. We also got $10,000 from the city to help events pay for that music. So if an event organizer comes to me and says, I've got $400 to spend, I said, great, here's an $800 band because I'm going to do a $400 subsidy. Hmm. Gets people paid. That's the point. Yeah. So that's what we do. I don't know. That's a bunch of stuff. Keeps musicians and DJs from doing four-hour sets for forty-five dollars because they got ten oh, percent of the bar on a slow night. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the thing is, this is not venues at all. So the venues, we still need to, you know, get some of those guys brought up, or in solidarity, get the artists to know they can do better. Give the artist other opportunities so that when somebody offers them forty-five dollars for a four-hour set, they say, "Hmm, no, thank you." They shouldn't get music. And if they get music, they can have the dad bands. You know, it's like, no, professional music, musicians are entrepreneurs and they need to be thinking about themselves that way. And we want to build infrastructure that's going to make it possible to be successful, to be valued and to be sustained in a city like this. There's no reason we can't build that. Yeah. Do you think uh, your experience early on, maybe with the back in Boston, working at some clubs and managing some artists really help you develop your philosophy of how artists should be treated? Oh, no, we were we were all just loaded and young and immortal and drinking. And um, I mean, it it's all connected because those are all people you know, that you collect along the way and you remember 
you know, it, I think there's, there's a, a bit of mystique, you know, it's something for the people that are trying to, to not value it. It's sort of a footloose thing. Or like, if you were really serious, you'd work in insurance, yeah. you know, that kind of like weird, the bias against it as a frivolous activity um, versus the kind of rock and roll mythology that cuts both ways. You know, the idea that, oh, well, you're, you're in rock and roll, you know, you're going to make a bunch of money. Well, nobody makes money because nobody buys media anymore. Right. Um, you know, and then the other thing is, you know, you're rock and roll and you live in a really crappy apartment and you're, you know, eating dog food. And, you know, it's like all of these myths that surround music that are used interchangeably by people to either not value it as, as legitimate or not um, pay it what it's worth or be willing to accept $45 for a four hour. Like it's even internalized this idea that we're not worth more. And that's, you know, we're, we're trying to change, change the mythology or the, the ethos on both sides, because I think a lot of musicians aren't sure they're worth it and we want them to know they are. Yeah, definitely. And I think also there's just kind of that, that outside perception that, you know, you're either a rock star making yeah. millions of dollars or yeah. you're a broke musician, but there's, there's this whole middle ground of like lower yeah. class to middle class musicians that get yeah. by for their entire life playing music yeah. and that people don't know who they are. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I think one of the, you know, sort of cautionary tales that I look at is in Austin where they did a survey in like 2008 or something maybe even earlier. Um, and they asked their local performing musicians, you know, what's your average annual income? And they said $15,000. And Mark Adler, bless his heart, mayor of Austin, um, said, oh my God, we're the live music capital of the world trademark. We have to, we, that isn't acceptable. So they invested $22 million in music tourism. And it was large hotels and it was the big sound stages and they were, you know, to bring more touring acts. And four years when they did the survey again, the local performing musicians were making $12,000. Because, I mean, it's a perfectly valid choice and Austin's made bank on it, but it was not, it was just, it was picking its target. For Portland, we have to pick the right target because the target for us is that emerging talent it is that next big thing it's the people moving up and what we want to do is build an ecosystem where they don't have to move away when they hit a certain level but it is the fact that you can walk into a dive bar in portland and just your jaw will drop at the talent you're seeing there and because we have independent venues the people can level up through um you know, all of it's an eco, you know, people are like, ah, oh, stupid venues. They don't pay us enough. The venue, it's an ecosystem. We don't survive without each other. And we can all do better by each other. But um, we have a treasure here because we have independent venues of all different sizes, of all different grades. We have an, uh, um, a community that will go out and see something, even if they don't know the name of the band. You know, or they'll get there in time for the opener because the talent is there. And that's that's, you know, there's a lot of places that if you're not ZZ Top, you know, they, they don't go see you. And we need to build that. But that's the kind of story we're building here or kind of 
congealing that reality. Like we're trying to make it solid enough, more solid than jello, so that every person that lives here, whether or not they ever go see live music, is proud and aware and talks about the fact that they live in one of the most incredible music incubation, taste making, curated music scenes in the in the country. Right on. Well, yeah. I appreciate all the all the work y'all are doing to to make this happen because I grew up in the in the LA pay to play scene and Ooh, it's very yeah. unkind and and it definitely has like informed uh, my personal philosophies on how to treat artists and if yeah. I'm booking a show or promoting a show or you know and just how people are taken care of because that was uh, a pretty awful experience that does not yeah. build any community. Brutal brutal and you know and again our power and our ability even you know music portland as a as a community of people working our ability to make change is directly linked to artists raising their hands to do a free registration profile it matters and if they have the means it's 25 dollars to be a year to be an individual member of music portland and the reason that matters is that funders and political people and all these other folks were a member organization. And if they look and say, well, how many members do you have? And I say 180. They say, but you're telling me we got 20,000 music professionals in the city and you've got less than 200 people paying you. I need people that have the means that can pay three bucks a month or $25 a year to register and then become members. And that just continues to grow our power and ability to make change and make this the city we should have. The city we deserve. Yeah. And can't stress enough going to those meetups. And I know you mentioned that you have to be a member to go to those. those No, you just have to have a free profile. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can't stress enough going to those because just, you know, even the ones outside of Music Portland, I've found those those industry meetups to be super helpful. And just going back to what we were talking about um, early in the conversation of just, you know, talking to somebody in the elevator, you just never know who you're going to uh, come across and and who you can help and who can help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're all, we're all humans in this together and we're going to, we're going to rise or fall together. So let's, I mean, our motto is independent together because we don't want a monoculture. We don't want to be like anybody else, but we can't do it if we're not together. I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh, can keep up with Music Portland and fill out their profiles and check out the job board and all the other opportunities up there. Yeah, and we've got the grant. The grant will be coming out um, probably October. Um, that's the first grant. There's a lot more other stuff that we've got in the works that are going to keep on rebuilding that fund. So. Um, we want to get we want to get musicians creative grants so they can do the projects that are bubbling up in their hearts. And uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is it's a program and it means absolutely nothing. It's just the way that my grandfather says the the news program. He always says program. So <laughs> if we could get the the Miriam McLaughlin, uh, it's a program. That would be amazing. It's a program. She nailed it, everybody. That's uh, 
that's the wrap on music portland all those links will be in the episode notes and uh you know this is a music podcast so i'm gonna play it out with one of my favorite local musicians by the name of rashid jamal and uh this is poor 4 ad that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland I put my phone with the soda. 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 President flipping the yoke. Neighborhood women that soda. Y'all don't know shit about Arkansas. Poverty baby get stoned. Y'all don't know shit about Arkansas. Poverty baby get soldier. Pouring out liquor, I'm running now. I put my phone with the soda. Most of these niggas is phony. Some of these bitches need coaching. Most of these niggas don't know me. You got some business to show me. I know the rivers gon' show me love. Master the game and I sold it. Tell them quit drippin', stay focused. I know the truth and I told it. I take it back to the corner. President flippin' the guilt. Got all no shit about Arkansas. Bodies get dropped in the moment. Docking been banging in Little Rock. Hoping we never expose ya. Pouring this nigga, I'm running now. I pop a phone with the soda. 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 Gang, gang over everything. I pop a phone with the soda. 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 I put my phone with the soda I put my phone with the soda Follow the cash in the rubber band So many troubles that follow a color man Collin' grins on my motherland Youngers be flocking this shit really pop Came off our present, I'm prepping the spot Jerry Louise in the black inside Who be the king in the parking lot Summer this season for juggernauts Never take breathing for granted Bullets don't care if you thug or not Look back on life as a youngin' Roll up another one, we live forever Reflecting on moments that we live together Thuggin' for life, nigga, we click together Missing you fam, I repeat this forever 22 grams, I mean it forever I take it back to the cold Residents living like Yola Dream of a life full of luxury Hoping they never expose it Y'all don't know shit about Arkansas Get out of jail and be homeless And just for the fact you the homie I put my phone with the soda 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 Gang gang over everything I put my phone with the soda Gang gang over everything I put my phone with the soda want to give a big shout out to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast can't say thank you enough to distro kid for their support of this thing and make sure you go into the episode notes and find that distro kid link to receive 30 percent off your first year of membership with distro kid making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you so make sure you take advantage of that and the link is also in uh, the link in my instagram bio on the link tree so you can find it there as well big thanks to distro kid stay up stay tuned